I have a couple friends who have ministered specifically to the hip-hop generation and culture. And one of the things that even sociologists have noticed is that this is a culture that's really spanned ethnic groups and even gone global. It's a culture that's influencing millions and millions of people around the world. And it can be used for incredible good or incredible harm. And I want to introduce you right now to Phil Jackson, not that one. He's a little busy right now, preparing for the NBA Finals in about oh, four hours. But I want to introduce you to somebody who has uh, been a friend of mine. I'm getting to know Phil better. He, let me introduce you to him in a moment, but here's his sort of bio. He serves as the lead pastor of the House Covenant Church and also associate pastor at Lawndale Community Church. The House Church is one of Chicago's first all youth and young adult hip hop churches, and he ministers to five, six hundred youth and young adults during the week, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ via hip hop music. And he's going to come on up here, and I want you guys to give him a thunderous round of applause for being here today. Thank you so much for being here. Father, we thank you and we praise you for Phil. Father, I just love his heart. I love his passion. Love his heart and passion for you and for this entire generation, God, that hungers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's using this incredible gift, God, to be able to minister to them, connect with them. Father, I thank you for this gifted, passionate man that desires to be a vessel instrument for you. I thank you that week in and week out, God, he pours out his life. He pours out his life on behalf of these youth and young adults uh, in the city of Chicago, mm. proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died, but he rose again, That's conquering right. sin, death, and Satan once and for all. And there's freedom and hope for all who believe in his name. Father, I thank you for his heart that desires to be here and to proclaim the word that you have placed in his heart for our church specifically. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill him. From head to toe, I pray this morning that he would be empowered by your spirit and that he would preach only that which you placed in his heart, God. Help us to encounter you, Jesus, and see the glory of God this morning. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 What's up? <laughs> What's up, my people? We good? I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. We good? Man, that was powerful with Ken, I mean, and the gift that he brings. Um, just, just not only, see, it's great when you have somebody who's like the worship team here and being able to have a brother who's living it and excited to live it and then bring the gifts that he does uh, to serve. So the full package, you know, and being able to just know him as a brother in Christ and then um, how he serves the Lord in that way. So I'm grateful to know him and humbled to serve along with him. And so, um, and, 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 and any opportunity that we can expose uh, Ken and several others to, to congregations and ministries, it's always a, it's always a, a, a blessing. And uh, because of that full package that they come with. I bring you greetings from my bride of 25 years, Kimberly Jackson, and um, London Community Church and the House Covenant Church uh, that we meet every Saturday night on the west side of Chicago. Grateful to be here. Thankful for, thank for, for Peter for the invitation and looking forward to building together uh, in ministry and partnership and the barbecue too. <laughs> Y'all like, hurry up. We, we hungry. <laughs> 
We're going to study the whole chapter of Leviticus 17. (laughs) God, I love you. Thank you. Use this time now to touch us in Jesus' name. Amen. It's just my my, um, way to transition. So I wasn't unvalidating one prayer, but it's just my thought process. Amen. This... uh, this emperor in this area of Asia was about to die and he was old. And so what he did was he got all the young people he could to come to his palace and he had them come and he said, look, I'm fitting to die. And one of y'all are about to be the next emperor, but I'm going to give you a seed and I want you to take this seed with you and I want you to plant it and grow whatever that seed grows. And whoever comes back next year with whatever has been grown, and I look at that, that person will be the next emperor. This one little boy named Ling from a single parent home was super excited. He got his seed, he sprinted back home to mom and said, mom, I'm finna be the next emperor. What, what? I feel, he was super excited. We don't have to take the bus no more. We're gonna have to, I mean, he was just super excited. (laughs) Took the seed, put it in the pot, put it outside, let the sun, you know, see, you know, see, shine on it and watered it. Going to school every day, three or four months into having this seed, he's hearing all these stories from his friends. Man, I'm growing trees. I'm growing shrubs. I'm growing plants. What you growing, Ling? Don't worry about what I'm growing because he was growing nothing. He was growing a pot of mud. It was a pot of mud every day. Every day he'd come home from school, see if anything sprouted. Nothing sprouted. Nine months go by. Ten months go by. They switch pots. They put in the manure. They sing to the pot. Nothing was growing. Finally, the the year came back. All the people are bringing their pots and plants and trees and stuff like that into the palace. And, you know, everybody's carrying big old bushes and stuff like that. And you know how it is when you're embarrassed, you don't really want to go in because you know you, your stuff is kind of bogus. You don't really want to be the first one in the door. So, no, y'all go ahead. Y'all go ahead. Go on ahead. <laughs> so he's like the last one brings his pot up in there and they all turn around. Oh, Hanky, now you've been to go to jail. But if I'm emperor, I'm going to get you out. I mean, that was just, so he's all in the back corner wanting to put his pot down. Emperor comes in, everybody stands up. He has his people and himself, and they all go down each row, and they look at all the plants, and they look at all the things, and they see Ling in the back with this pot of nothing. And they say, you, come here. <laughs> you know how you, gets his pot, he comes up to the front of the palace by the emperor. He says, what is your name? He says, Ling. He says, turn around. He says, I want to introduce to you your next emperor, Ling. They was all like, hold up. <laughs> I done grew something and how he ain't grew nothing. And he didn't, he didn't, how that work? The emperor said, last year I gave each of you a seed, but I boiled the seed so it would not grow. Ling was the only one who didn't switch the seed. You all have lost that on the kingdom because you switched the seed. In your life and in my life, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have been implanted and imparted to the Holy Spirit a seed of redemption, a seed of hope, a seed of faith. But yet in the hard times of life, when we don't see nothing growing, we want to switch I'm just going to talk about Phil Jackson. 
<laughs> because there are times in ministry and times when I'm tired of going to funerals and tired of seeing the same cats in jail and tired of saying the same things to the same ears of people who ain't doing squat that I just want to switch to see and work downtown somewhere and hide. Okay, I'm going to make sure that you're with me. So uh, when I throw my left hand like this, you just say amen. So just a practice, just in case I think I thought I said something. Amen. amen. I know you with me. I know you with me. But are you feeling what I'm saying? We, 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 we don't see anything growing. We don't see anything happen. We're wondering why it seems as if we're out here all by ourselves, out here trying to live right, trying to focus on the Lord, trying to live by faith, but it doesn't seem like anything's moving or shaking or is this as if we've taken that step of faith, but it doesn't seem as if anything is, is, is changing. Why is it that, that, that I'm walking this thing, I'm living this thing out? And I don't see anything. And then the temptation to, to, woo, to pull back or the temptation not to go as hard, the temptation not to be as faithful is right there lurking. But the cost of switching the seed is losing out on the greater kingdom, greater impact, greater life that God calls us into. I mean, think about it. Where are you and I really supposed to be if we were more faithful? Where are we really supposed to be? Who is it that we're really supposed to impact? How is it that God's kingdom is supposed to be more glorified if we were more faithful? Now, now more faithfulness doesn't mean I've got to read eight more books. Uh, uh, you know, I've got to read, you know, cost of discipleship a lot more or whatever from certain, I don't, I, I, mean, I, I mean, it doesn't mean that. It just means that I act upon the belief of what I know, even in the cost of discipleship. So when Kierkegaard said, look, Whatever you know in the Bible, in your faith, if you, don't, you don't have to know everything. Just obey what you know. If you know to tithe, then tithe. That, you know, all I know how to do is, is serve the Lord and, 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 and by tithing. If you know to come and stand at the door and be an usher, if you know to love your neighbor, and that's all you know, just be obedient in that piece. So in essence, our lack of faith in some degree is our lack of obedience to God. As if obedience can be selective, as if I can opt out and change over. Therefore, I can still receive and impact the benefits of this whole kingdom by being that selective. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I need some believers. I need some people who love the Lord so much that in their context of who they are, that obedience is priority in their life, which engages the faith. You see, belief is, belief is intellectual. Belief is knowledge. Belief is experience. Belief is, is wisdom. And so you take all of that belief, but you act on it by faith. So, so you have the knowledge. I mean, we don't, we're not stupid Christians. We study the word. We know the word. We understand the uh, higher criticism of this and maybe we do or maybe we don't. Or we study this book and we have great messages. But we take that knowledge, that intellect, that wisdom and experience and we act upon it. Even when it makes no sense. Who in the heck is starting a Christ-centered hip-hop church? What the heck is that? Who is thinking about a multicultural church? Who is going to be that bold to do that? But but it is in faith that we're in that obedient. And sometime in our obedience, we ask these questions. God, I don't see anything growing. I don't see anything happening. Should I keep moving? In the Bible, in Matthew chapter 15, we're going to look at a passage where I believe this woman teaches us kind of how that acting out on faith should happen. I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord today. I don't know where you are in a journey of faith. But I just want to push you a little bit more. 
That there's a world out there that's dying. There's a world out there that's empty. There's a world out there that's searching. There's a world out there that's hurt. And it's looking for people who, just, who, who take God's word at his word in obedience, blindly or wisdomly, and, and live in a way that gets their attention to say, hold up, the love that you just, I just saw at the office or at the job or at school or on the block, that love right there, you received that because of your relationship with God. I need to know more about that God. By faith, God calls us to live for him. And once you made a decision to trust Christ, you got all the faith that you need. It's not like, man, like the disciples asked Christ, yo, give me some more faith, player. You say, I got to, you know, when he asked, he said, you know, how many times should we forgive somebody? You know, 70 times seven. Peter was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. You talking about, I got to forgive Raekwon, Jamiko, uh, Buki, Antoine, and Buquita and them? Set, oh, you out your mind. I need some more faith. He's like, no, nah, you don't need any more faith. You've got the faith in you. You just need to obey. In this passage, Matthew 15, verse 21. I'm going to read it through. And we're going to come back and kind of dissect it a little bit. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus didn't answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and her daughter is healed that very hour. Here's the situation. Christ is coming to this area and sit on in Tyree. They're pulling the boat up. Come on, Peter, quit splashing, quit splashing. I just watched this. Quit splashing. Come on, come on. All right, let's go, let's go. We're going. And as they're walking, here comes this woman, like from the back of the church, hollering and screaming. Lord, son of day. Had her kitchen apron on, hair all in rollers. Oh, help me. My. She didn't care what she looked at. She come hollering and screaming out the blue, just top of her voice. Lord, son of David, my daughter's suffering demon possession. She's slobbering. Demon possession. She probably couldn't even finish all the way. Possession daughter. Ah, help. Ah, now. She freaking everybody out. And you know when that kind of situation happens, we get real quiet, right? Yeah. Go with me on Saturday nights at the house. We go out after the service and hit the, and hit the block. Hit the block from like nine-ish, nine-thirty till one o'clock in the morning. Go with me on a Saturday. You're going to see a lot of that. Ah, what, what was that going? What, what, watch the car. You will see a lot. Of, but when that kind of happens, there's a, little, there's a little nervousness. We don't know what happened, right? She comes in the middle of this group of people and she says all this. And the Bible says that Jesus did not answer a word. Now, this is not like Peter, you know, this is not one of the other disciples, you know what I'm saying, Andrew. This is God. He, he, didn't, he didn't say anything, he didn't say a word. I mean, it says it right there. He didn't say a word. 
you know that he heard her because his disciples say, Jesus, what, what should we do with her right here? How you doing? Stay right there. Her right here. Yeah, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some other Christians, y'all been around some folk. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know that if, if, if they heard her, he heard her, and he's like, uh, what, what should we do, do about her? Pray? We're praying for you, sister. We, stay right here. My question is, as we walk through this piece, would your faith have been bold enough and obedient enough to press through that? Oh, you don't hear nobody, huh? What, you got water in your ears? You need to just get that water. You can't hear nobody? I'm gone. Forget you then. I knew this wasn't nothing. Would your faith have pressed through? I mean, you look at uh, human to human as I'm trying to get somebody's attention and, you know, sometimes they don't hear you. Uh, you know, so we get a little belligerent. We can get a little... You're going to talk to everybody else but me. I'm, I, was, I was here first. You're not going to talk to me? We get a little attitude with it, right? The disciples asked him, while she's standing right there, what should we do about her? His, he doesn't say a word. His next response is to the disciples, not to her. He disses her once by not saying anything to her. This is God. Maybe you would have had, okay, maybe you got, you know, seasickness, maybe you got diarrhea, something going on, something going on, give him some, you know, leeway, something going on, maybe that's happening. But then he says, after the disciples said, should we send her away? For she's loud. In verse 24, he turns to his disciples, not her, and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Okay, 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 okay. Disciples ask him a question. She like right here. He doesn't say a word. This number one. This number two, when he does say something, he talks to them while she right here. That is ugly. You ever been talking, somebody talking about you while you right there? That's some, that's some West Side stuff right there. That's some straight West Side stuff where I'm from all day. I'm saying it right here. You seen Phil? I can't stand Phil. Why he always coming to my brother's house trying to talk about the Lord? Don't he know he go to church? And look right at you and keep talking about you. <laughs> this is God. He dissed her once. He didn't say nothing. He dissed her twice because he said something about her. Why is she right there? And then this number three Really, is that the fact that he said, I ain't here for her kind of people. Oh, heck, you know. I don't know where your faith, maybe, maybe your faith was strong enough because he didn't hear you. Now, you're, you're like, you're right here. You just, whatever, Lord. He, he didn't hear me. Okay, I'll just, you know, maybe the disciples will help me. Oh, he ain't here for my kind of people. <laughs> What's my kind of people, player? <laughs> you ain't here for what? Oh, because my hair all like, you ain't here for what? My ethnicity. Now, theologically, if you're a dispensationalist, perhaps at this time, you believe that Christ's message was to the Jews, which is appropriate to understand that. And so, therefore, he's saying, theologically, that I'm here to share the gospel to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. But here's a killer. Ain't a Jew in this part of the hood. Ain't no Hebrews here at all, man. You are saying, I'm here for the Jews. Then go to where the Jews are. 
How are you going to come to the west side of Chicago and say, where are the Southsiders? <laughs> oh, I want to pray for you. Oh, right? Get your butt to the south side. <laughs> Maybe your faith was disciplined, obedient, forthright enough to see that, okay, Christ didn't say nothing to me. That's okay. He says something about me while I'm right here, still kind of dissing me there. I'm, I can press through that. But when he say I ain't here for your kind of people, oh, no, nah, he didn't. <laughs> oh, no, nah, he didn't. Where, where would you have pressed on? We have a, a ministry in Lawndale called Hope House, and men come off of drugs, come out of prison, and they stay with us, and they um, are there for nine months. And we've had grandmothers and mothers and wives give testimony. I've been praying for my husband. I've been praying for my, my son for 29 years. And this is the first time in, in these nine months that I've been able to keep a VCR. No, that I've been able to... <laughs> That I've been able to talk to him from a sober mind. What if she would have stopped at 28 and a half? I'm through praying for this fool. I'm tired. I'm about to move to Florida. I mean, what? What if she would have stopped right then? Are you tired? Maybe you've been faithful and, and, and your faithfulness has is, is, is been obedient and you've been walking in it, but it's just tiring. I, I just want to let you know that the breakthrough is close. Oftentimes, I've noticed in my own life, in my own walk, that when I'm about to switch the seed, or I'm about to suspect the seed I got, or I'm about to flinch, or I'm just tired, that's when stuff breaks out. I remember my wife and I, my beautiful, brilliant, gorgeous, fine, African-American queen. Oh, I'll show you a picture. Yeah, she's right, right there. <laughs> One time, we were just, uh, we were desperate. You know, we have been in ministry working with young people for 20, some odd, 22, 23 years. And, I'm, uh, you know, that, you don't make a lot of money doing that. There's no money doing that. So, so, um, so I'm, I'm there. We, we had it. We needed another car. And, um, and so I was just like, okay, God, we're, we're going to pray that, you know, you give us a car. I didn't really believe that. But I was at a point where, I was about to switch the seat. I'm tired. I'm drained. I'm in these juvenile detention centers. Ain't nobody hearing a word I'm saying. So where the weed at? I'm trying to talk to you about the Bible. You're talking about where the weed at? <laughs> so it's like I'm, everything's, I'm, for, you know, it's like stuff is bouncing off the wall. I'm just frustrated. I'm about to switch. I'm tired of this. So I, we need a car. There's no dollars. Okay, babe, let's just pray. And God, give us a car. God, give us a car. We need a car free. Nothing, just free. It was like that, really. It was like, I don't really believe it, but I'm going to do it because I'm supposed to. A week later, Jill Tupper called a friend of mine for Young Life in Kansas City. said, hey, we want to, we are praying for you guys. We have a car. I was like, hold on. I hung the phone up. I was like, I could. I was like, Kim. And I didn't mean to. I was just like, get it. What? And, and she called back. Oh, you okay? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And she gave us this car. It was like. God, are you a God? Are you right here right now? Like, did you just, but oftentimes when, when, when we were at a point of breakthrough, God shows up. 
But that breakthrough time is the most tense time. And, and it is God pulling out of us the faith that is already within us. You can't have a breakthrough until you have a been through. And in your been through, God uses that to shape you and to mold you. Sunday school class, this little boy was talking about faith or whatever. And this, this boy said, faith is believing in what we don't really believe is going to happen. <laughs> so in other words, we're supposed to do it, but we just believe in it because we're supposed to, but it's not really going to happen. Some of us, perhaps that's what our mindset has been. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to do this. Huh? Praise the Lord. Huh? And then we go through the motions of it. Today, will you step up your faith? Will you, will you mimic this woman? She, yeah, she had a belief about Christ. She wasn't Jewish. She didn't, perhaps we don't know where that came from, but she had an understanding that he is God. He can do this. And in her belief, in the testing even of her faith in this exchange, God was making her faith complete. This number one, maybe your faith would have pressed through. Jesus didn't say nothing. I'm cool with that. My cousins don't talk to me. I'm going to keep going. This number two, he says something about me while I'm right here, but that's okay. Maybe it's a part of this Jewish thing. I don't really know. Maybe that's what they do. So I'm going to press through. Second thing, he ain't here for my kind of people. Maybe we'll look up and be like, okay, I'm going to get back to that later. But watch what happens. Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. How desperate are you? I don't care if you own 50 companies. Our hearts need to be constantly desperate after God. That's what frustrates me about the church is that we've lost a sense of desperation. We, we don't have, you, you, have you ever been broke? You've been broke looking for money in a couch? It, okay, five of y'all have. So, so, so I work with those five. You're looking for money in the car seat? You, you know, you're going to the toll booth. Talking about stop, 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 stop. Like I'm the only one. Don't, don't trip with me. <laughs> Sense of desperation. See, I don't need Christ for another blessing. That's cool. I need Christ because life makes no sense without him. And if I'm not close to him, I am a few 24 hours away from Jack and you. If I'm not close to him and you see me walk around here scratching like this, run. There's <laughs> some kind of way there's been a gap between me and God. See, that is what we need to be. It doesn't matter what status you may have or where you're at academically, socially, high school, seniors retiring. It is a sense of desperation. I need Christ because life makes no sense with that. And where does that come from? I believe it comes from the fact of his enormous love that he has for me as unworthy as I am. What the heck? And it continues to be a reciprocal peace. I, I'm going to use this example. I am madly in love, as you already know, this beautiful woman named Kimberly Jackson. She didn't like me saying her middle name, but I was Kimberly J. Jackson. I love this woman. She is crazy in love with me. I mean, I just love her to death. We met in college. You know, I saw her and, you know, I worked in the cafeteria. Saga. I don't know if y'all know Saga that far back, but uh, I was working in the cafeteria and I uh, had a football scholarship. That's how much of a scholarship I had, right? I'm working in the cafeteria on a football scholarship. <laughs> 
scholarship in theory, maybe. So I'm up here in the cafeteria, and I'm talking, and I'm coming through, and there she is with a little leather jacket on with little friends. And a friend of mine told me that she liked me. You know, that's what I needed. I needed a little jump start. <laughs> so I said, would you like any Jello?" <laughs> My Mac Daddy line, boy. Don't try to use it. Don't try to use it. <laughs> and we connected from that point on. <laughs> but if it's that type of love between two human beings, how much more is it from a God to us? Are you, are you feeling me? If, 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 if I'm blown away by this beautiful, brilliant, intellectual, stubborn, great woman of God that I have, yo, how much more is it that God's love for me? And as that floors me every day like a fire hydrant, it becomes contagious amongst those that God would put in front of me. But it comes even more contagious because of the obedience that I'm encouraged to live in because of that faith. It's kind of like, um, what's the diver who won eight? Eight gold medals, not the swimmer, but the diver guy. Yeah, he said that he could dive like he could dive because he knew that no matter how his dive was, his mom was still going to love him. That's how it is in our walk of faith. God, I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to be obedient in it because I know you love me. You got my front, my back, and my side to side. What can I not do? This woman gets on her knees and says, you are all I got. Help a sister. Now, perhaps theologically she was done with, Lord, son of David, using all the theological right framework, right? She's at a place of desperation. Sometimes that's how we are. But I believe that's how we ought to live in. When it says that, that God is addicted to the weak, the broken and contrite. I want to live in that contrite brokenness, yet in victory in faith. She says, Lord, help me. Now he turns to her. Now Christ has <laughs> turns to her and he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She's a woman. He called her a, do a dog. It would be just as a harsh of a statement as somebody calling a woman that today. It's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the bees. I'm not on, I'm not on the west side, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to refrain. <laughs> she stands up, I believe. It was only a woman could with her strength and says, and identifies with what he says is despised and says, huh, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. She had the faith. She had the faith that I desire for the body of Christ to have. She had the faith to change the mind of God. Yo, I long for that. I long for that. I long for it with young people. I long for it for young adults. I long for it for the hip-hop community who wants to see this real faith. We need less definition of the gospel and more demonstration of the gospel. Demonstration doesn't mean magnificent healings, yet God can do that. But it just means a little steady faithfulness paced at your job. The steady faithfulness paced at your school. The steady faithfulness paced in your family. That's what I believe God is looking for. 
to change the mind of God. He said, oh, heck, you know, your daughter done. She healed. Bye. She, she was, her faith was now complete. Three things this woman teaches us, I think, about faith. First, let's go back. She's coming, running down the thing. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Early that morning, she's cooking some breakfast for her little daughter. Buquita Shaquana to Tweeta, we finna eat, we finna eat, girl. She gets the food. She goes into the bedroom. Buquita Shaquana to Tweeta, get out of my room. Whatever demon possession. You hear me? Whatever neck spinning around, whatever demon possession look like, she dropped that tray and took off to Jesus. The first thing she teaches us, I believe, to exercise, to move from belief to faith is a brokenness from her past. She said, oh no, I am not going back there until a change comes. My daughter, who I double dutch with, who I changed the diapers with, I'm not going back there until that change has come. What have you been broken from? What is it that God has taken from you? What is it that God has delivered you out of? Every day, every day, you have to, before you go to bed or even when you wake up in the morning, like I, I have done this over the last couple of years, just journal. Let me think through every moment I've been awake and what God has done for me. God, thank you for my wife kissing me and, and her letting me kiss her with my bad breath. And, and then thank you for my daughters, how beautiful they are. Thank you for my son, even though he's wilding out sometimes. And, and, I mean, and I just begin to just write down, God, thank you for these slippers on my feet right now. God, thank you for this medicine for my toe. They, I mean, li- literally, I look at all, and I, God, you care for me so much. Every nook and cranny you have taken care of in my life. We don't have a full tank. We got a half a tank. We're good. My daughter had an accident in our other little hoopty, total the car. Found out that we bought the used car. We thought we had Carfax correct report from the dealership. They must have given us some kind of hoodwink thing. Because when the insurance company called back and said, I'm sorry to tell you, Mr. Jackson, your car was a total before you bought it. <laughs> Y'all, that, that was kind of funny. So, it, okay. So, the car was totaled. They must have repaired it. And then we bought it. And then we wrecked it. They're like, we can only give you half of the half we were going to give you. So, we get like $250. <laughs> But it's like, yo, God, thank you for that. Maybe, thank you. But reflecting on that, because God, I don't want to go back there anymore. I don't want to go back to the language and the attitude that I used to have. I want to constantly, constantly stay aware of who you are and who you are creating me to be right now, this moment. I don't want to let a, a month go by and be like, oh, you know, I need to thank God for the such and such. No, I want to remember in the moment, every single day. I just challenge you to reflect upon that. Watch how a deeper sense of gratitude I believe you will walk in and maybe even encourage your faith to be more bold in. First thing we realize, and I believe to spark our context of faith, to move from belief to faith, is that she had a brokenness from her past, so she was not going back there. Next is that she gets on her knees after this dialogue with Christ and says, Lord, help me. She said, you all I got, player. You are all I got. It starts and ends with you. You all I got. Is Christ all you have? Is he all you have? Are you seeking to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is he all, is he all that you have? Is he all that you need? Or have, have other things gotten competition 
with loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. She's on her knees in front of everybody with rollers in her head, with an apron on, talking about, help me. Third thing we learned from her is that she says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know what she said? She said, you know what? The dog is in the same house with the master, which means if the master decides to feed him crumbs today, then the master knows best. So the master must believe that these crumbs are going to swell up in me to be some way to make me full. So I will eat the crumbs because I'm being taken care of by the master. She said, I embrace the sovereignty of God. That God can do what he wants, how he wants, whomever he wants. Because today I get crumbs, tomorrow I get a loaf of bread. The next day I get a a little little piece of syrup. The next day I get a steak bone. The dog is in the same house as the master. Christ said, huh? Your faith is, your daughter's healed. And look what happened in verse 29. Verse 29 is the killer to me. Because in verse 29 it says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Well, wait a minute. Why did you leave? Didn't you just, wait a minute. You were only there to bring healing and completeness in this woman's faith. I believe that if he would have healed her daughter the first time she comes running, her, her faith wouldn't have been complete. Second time, and she's underneath, Lord, help me. Her faith wasn't going to be complete. But then when she identified with what he said was despised, and she recognized the sovereignty of God, and she embraced the, the, the reality of he's all that I the, all that I, I need and, and, and the fact that I'm, I'm broken from my past, I'm not going back there, then her faith was complete. That's why he could bounce. Like, I'm out. Deuces. He was gone because her faith was now ready. So when she went back home on another time and it's snowing outside and they got one piece of wood and they got a little food, don't worry about it, God. If it's to do it, God, do it. Where the food at? Where the food? I mean, she had incredible completeness in her faith. See, some of us switch the seed right as God is about to complete our faith. But what happens is we, we switch the seed and it's another journey of things that God will do or things have to take place before we get back to that place of total obedience and surrender. My daughter, who's uh, just graduated, from, will be graduating from high school, our youngest, and there will be empty nest. Oh. <laughs> Woo! Playing it in the house all day. Come here. <laughs> so one time when she was younger uh, and we go to these little places to go on vacation, my kids had me swimming like forever. I'm like Aquaman. I'm out there swimming forever. Four hours. You know, I'm light skinned. I get wrinkled quick. I'm wrinkly. So I'm trying to get my kids out the water doing these creative things. Like somebody boo-booed in the pool. Ah, good. Get out of here. Get out of here. So, so my youngest daughter, she didn't care about that. She's like, catch me, daddy, catch me. So it's like the 400th hour. So she's, she jumps and I catch her. So I say in my mind, I'm going to go to the deep end. So I do the little sidekick swim with her on the side, going to the deep end. She's like, where are you going? We're going to go to the deep end. No, no. And she starts squeezing me tighter and tighter and tighter. It's God wants to take us to the deep end. We don't let go. We squeeze tighter and tighter and tighter because he's, he's got us. He's got us. This woman's faith always convicts me as I read it and have, and have read it. I always wonder what she did down the road later in life. 
and how many lives she perhaps changed and sparked. Now, I'm sure as she was a great grandmama, she's sitting around telling her, let me tell y'all a little story. And she began to talk about how this Christ dissed her three times. <laughs> but how her daughter was healed. And then maybe later her daughter as a mom told that same story. What are your faith stories? Oh, I don't, they don't have to be miraculous. You know, I woke up today in a right state of mind. I've been going through depression, discouragement, but today is clear. Thank you. That's a faith story. Don't switch the seed. Don't, don't switch the seed. Stay true to who you are in Christ. You see, this woman was running this Boston Marathon and she won the whole thing, but she had never won a marathon ever before. And she was on the front page and people were tripping like, who is she? She won this marathon. Oh my gosh, who are you? And you know, she was in all these interviews and uh, come to find out that the woman cheated. What happened was she had ran 10 miles, dipped away and got on the train. On the train, she gets off so many miles down the road, and then she runs the last two or three miles almost ahead of everybody and blew out record time. Today, realize the fact that if you switch the seat, you're taking a shortcut. Stay on the path. God is with you. That's what's so amazing. He's with you on the journey. He's there with your tears. He's there with your discouragement. He's there with your hurt. He's there with your cloudy vision of where am I going? What's happening? He's there. I don't know where you are with your faith journey, with your walk of faith, but I want to challenge you today to perhaps evaluate. Allow this to, 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 to be a time where, where God, have I gotten away from where you have broken me from, where, I've, where you've delivered me out of. Lord, have I got deluded in my intimacy with you? Have I allowed everything else to get in, the, in between us? And Lord, have I surrendered to you only and embraced your total direction in my life? Where are you at today, church? Where are you at today? Saints, where are you at today? Believers, and Yeshua HaMashiach, where are you at today? I need you. I need your faith to be obedient and moving. As we as a body of believers are moving, I can look to my left and look to my right and say, ah, ah, new community's on it. And as I'm dragging, the new community and others can bring me. Where are you at? What decision will you need to make today? What is it that God is stirring up on your heart? What choices do you need to make to get rid of some things so that your faith is more obedient in Christ? I want to ask if you just bow your heads and you talk to God. Whatever it is that God is stirring up on your heart, confess, repent, rejoice, proclaim. But don't leave here. Don't leave here faithless. here switching the seed
this morning as we give glory to God, we want to thank Ken, Life Martyr, and also Phil Jackson for coming and blessing us with God's word. Let's give him a big hand. Thank you. As Pastor Phil has challenged us today, go out this week. Don't switch to seed. Know that the Spirit of Christ lives in you. We have all the faith that we need to live this life that He has called us to. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said, Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next week.